Tonight's readings are three in number, and to begin with, we are going to start at Psalm 95, which can be found on page 499 of the Church Bibles. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Our next reading is in Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21, which is on page 978 of the Church Bibles. Ephesians 5, from verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And our final reading is in Colossians chapter 3, starting from verse 12, which can be found on page 984 of the Church Bibles. Colossians 3, from verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you very much, Grant. Now, I've got a a few more orders of service if anyone didn't get one. I think we did run out on the way in. Would anyone like one? Stick your hand up and uh, someone will give it to you. David will do that. Don't be shy. 
Thank you. There are one or two who don't have it. Thank you, David. At the back, thank you. Okay, so our series on Sunday nights is what is so special about Sundays, four weeks on Sunday nights. We considered in the first place what a local church is, what a church like Chalmers is, and what it means to belong to a local church. A local church, we saw from the Bible, is an outpost of heaven. A group of people gathered together by God. And if you are new around Chalmers and you feel it is the church that you should settle in, then there is something behind that that is supernatural, the gathering of God, the gathering of you into this community, because he knows that you will thrive, you will grow, you will serve, you will bless, you will encourage uh, others. A local church is an outpost of heaven, a group of people gathered together by God, reconciled to God and to one another through Jesus. And meeting together in person is fundamental to what it means to be a local church. For when we meet together like we are doing now, we pledge publicly our allegiance to our King. We declare God's judgments and build up one another in love. We pledge our loyalty to our King Jesus before our very eyes and before the eyes of the world who watch us gathering to do that. To belong to a local church is to be together, to meet together in person. Now let me say to those of you who are listening online that not everyone who is part of a local church family is able to meet with their fellow believers. Circumstances can prevent that. But if we can meet together in person, we should meet together in person, want to meet together in person. Second, and last Sunday night, we began to think about what we are to do when we meet together. First and foremost, we meet together to listen to God speak to us through his word. God gathers us to speak to us. And all the way through the Bible, Old and New Testaments, there is the pattern of God gathering his people to address them, to speak to them from his word. And that is why the preaching of God's word is central to our meetings. It is how the Lord Jesus leads us as a church. It is how he shepherds us as a church. We meet together to listen to God speaking to us through his word. Now tonight, I want us to think about singing. Just one thing, singing. When we meet together on Sundays, as we are doing now, we sing. We have sung, and we will sing at the end. I don't think we have ever met together as a church in Chalmers' eight-year history on a Sunday and not sung. So it's right at the heart of what we do. Now, here's the plan for the next half an hour or so. First, we'll work through the three Bible passages that Grant read to understand what they teach about singing as a representative group of Bible passages. And then in conclusion, and in light of that teaching, and drawing on one or two other Bible passages, I'll set out, and you can see them on the service sheet already, a number of principles that will help us sing on Sundays in the way that most glorifies God. 
Now, that's not, it sounds like a bold claim. It's not. To, to sing on Sundays in a way that most glorifies God is to sing in accordance with how the Bible encourages us to sing. Before any of that, though, I want to stop and take the opportunity to thank everyone who helps us sing on Sundays. Because they come about eight o'clock on a Sunday morning or half past four on a Sunday afternoon. We are blessed to have many gifted musicians, players and singers up front, and those on sound and tech. There's one more group that's missing who help us sing on Sundays. Every one of you, every one of us, whether you can sing in tune or not in tune, it's amazing that we never hear anyone sing out of tune, apart from your neighbor. <laughs> Singing from the heart. So thank you to those who lead us in our singing, to those who organize the players that help us to sing, to those up at the back who fiddle the knobs when something goes wrong, the whole congregation turns around and stares at them. And thank you to you for singing from your hearts. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the joy, the blessing of singing together on Sundays. Teach us tonight from your word why it is that we sing, what we should sing, how we should sing, so that our singing on Sundays is glorifying and honoring to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, you'll need a Bible so we can turn to these passages, and there is plenty of space in the service sheet if you are taking uh, notes. Firstly, let's consider what the Bible teaches about singing. And we'll look at three Bible passages, Psalm 95, in the Old Testament, and Ephesians 5, 15 to 21, and Colossians 3, 12 to 17 in the New. Psalm 95 is a representative passage of a whole lot of similar passages in the Old Testament that teach us about singing. And then Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 are the two key passages in the New Testament about singing. Firstly, Psalm 95, and if you've got a Bible, please turn there, and if you are using a church one, it's page 499. And we'll kind of flick around between this psalm and one or two others. So if you have a Bible in front of you or on your phone, that'll really help us. So Psalm 95, along with the other 149 psalms that make up the book of Psalms, is a psalm, Psalm 95, along with all the others, is a psalm to be sung. And we sung one of them, a cappella earlier on in the service, one of the Psalms. And in the book of Psalms, the 150 Psalms gathered together in the book of Psalms, God has given us in his word a singing book. God inspired the Psalms to be sung. But the Psalms are also at the same time God's word to us. 
God speaks to us through the Psalms as he does with any other part of the Bible. And as God's word, the Psalms are not only for us to sing, but they teach us a lot about singing. Now consider, if you have a Bible open or on your phone, the Psalms surrounding Psalm 95 in this section of the book of Psalms. So for example, Psalm 92, just flick back, verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, to declare your steadfast love. Verse 3, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. And uh, we could go through many psalms and you would amass every single instrument under the sun. They're all fine. Psalm 95, our psalm, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us make joyful noise. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Psalm 96, verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98, verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre and the sound of melody. Trumpets make an appearance. Make a joyful noise before the king. Just one or two other references, Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with uh, singing. One of the uh, lovely benefits of being late on a Sunday, and hardly anyone is ever late, is you walk along the road and you hear the singing. That's actually a beautiful thing, and it causes people's heads to turn who live here and who walk past the church. The noise of the singing. Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. Now, what's the big teaching point? If I had to hit one nail on the head with that group of psalms, what does God's word in that group of psalms teach God's people about singing? And it's dead obvious that God's people are to sing. The singing is what we do. Singing is a key way. I mean, it is, isn't it? We've had eight years of services in Chalmers twice on a Sunday, 52 weeks a year and a few hundred at Christmas. And we've never not sung. That's right. The big teaching point is that God's people are to sing. Singing is a key way to express our relationship to God and to one another. When we meet as a local church, we sing. Now, look at Psalm 95 in a little more detail. Listen again to how the psalm begins. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Verse 2, let us come into his presence. Let us make a joyful noise noise. The exhortation is to the people of God corporately to sing. Now, that is not to say we cannot sing on our own. Some of the Psalms are in the personal voice. For example, Psalm 101, I will sing to you. I will make music. But the overall emphasis is on the corporate, God's people singing together. And that simply reflects the fact that God 
gathers a people. God doesn't want to have lone ranger Christians. He wants to have Christians gathered in churches. And one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful ways we express our corporateness is we stand up on our pins and we sing together. Now, yes, God saves people individually. There needs to be a personal commitment to Jesus as Savior and Lord. You do not inherit the benefits of salvation from joining a Christian community. You must come to Christ first for salvation. But immediately God saves us for fellowship with Him and with one another. And that is expressed in a local church gathered together by God. And one of the most natural expressions of being gathered together as Christians. Now, this is not natural or normal in any other walk of life. So there's no other building you're going to go past tonight, unless it's a choir, where you're going to hear the noise of singing drafting out into the street. That's unnat- it's supernatural. It's a sign of spiritual life and allegiance to the King. And it's striking that when you are a Christian and you gather with other Christians, singing is not unnatural. If you actually think about it, it should perhaps be. But it's not. It's part of who we are. It's part of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He gives us, whether we can sing or tune or not, voice. Now, note the emphasis in Psalm 95 is on joy, thanksgiving, and praise. There is a rich variety in the Psalms in what we are to sing across the songbook in the Bible and the register in which we are to sing. For example, we are to sing Psalms of confession, Psalms of lament. And across the four Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs we are singing tonight, There is a different tone, a different pitch, a different feel, a different emotion, a different affection, and that's entirely uh, right. But that said, the note of joyful praise is sounded a lot and needs to be sounded a lot in our singing. I'm, I'm in danger of not saying this in an appropriate tone. Christians are to be a joyful people. But as the years roll on, you say that in a different way. Christians are to be, and one or two of you are nodding, and you know exactly what I'm saying. Christians are to be a joyful people, not superficially, not because our circumstances are necessarily joyful, but sincerely and deeply, a deep-seated, deep-hearted joy Because in the words of Psalm 95, our God is a great God, and we have a great King. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Oh, but I am suffering as one of your children And how does the psalm move in verse 7? From the awesome to the tender. For he is our God, 
And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. One of the blessings you get as a minister or preacher is I get to face you on a Sunday. I find that a blessing. You might not find it a blessing to face me and my colleagues up here. But again and again, I have watched people sing with joy as tears roll down their faces. How can that be? Because the joy is all surpassing and undergirds. So here's a golden oldie that many of you will not have heard, but it's a great hymn. O love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to you. The Holy Spirit wedges my heart open. In whatever circumstances I am in, even if it's just a chink, I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain. That morning shall tearless be. Now you play that song on YouTube as you sit at your computer at home and it might warm your heart. Come to church in your bleakness, in your darkness, and let them sing it to you and with you and for you and as they look at you and it comes alive in a whole different way. And I want to look at you when I sing these words and change the words. We've got to play around with the pronouns in these songs. Oh, joy that sought you through pain. You cannot close your heart to him. You will, I pray, trace the rainbow through the pain, rain and pain. And I pray that you will feel the promise is not vain, for in the morning you shall tearless be. We play around with the pronouns, and many of our songs are written in the personal pronouns. I, I, uh, we need to be looking at each other saying, you, you, in Christ alone, our hope is found. In Christ alone, your hope is found. In Christ alone, my hope is found. That's what the New Testament means us to do with songs. Now, one more important thing as we leave Psalm 95, I'd like us to say, and that is the relationship between singing and listening to God speaking. It's very striking in this psalm. Verses 1 to 7 have been extolling us to sing to God. And then verse 7b that begins the second half of the psalm it goes like this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So verse 1, come, let us sing. Verse 7b, today, if you hear. Now, what is going on? Two things. First, singing tunes our hearts to hear God speak which is why we sing before the Word of God is preached. In the Reformers' Book of Common Prayer in 1662, it was stipulated that when a local church meets together on a Sunday, every single service at the point just before the Word of God is to be preached, Psalm 95 should be sung or read. 
every week to prepare us to hear God speak through his word with soft and not hard hearts. And you see that that what happens when you sing before the word of God is preached is that God softens your hearts in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's far more likely to do that when you are gathered together with other believers in a room than if you are sitting watching a television screen or a computer screen. Now, let me just pause there and say there are many people who cannot be here. That is entirely different. But if we can be, we are blessed. And the person next to you is blessed when you sing beside them. Singing tunes are hard to hear God speak. And then second, this link between singing and the word, and this is a wonderful thing, as we sing the words of God in the Bible, or as we sing biblical truths about God, the word of God comes to dwell in us richly. I'm using the language of Colossians 3, but the principle is here in Psalm 95. And the principle is this, as we sing in the spirit the word of God, as we sing in the spirit, the word of God comes to dwell in us richly. The Word of God is impressed upon us. It impacts our will. So when you sing, I will sing the wondrous story of the King who died for me, the fact that the King died for me, we sing it into our hearts. That's a biblical truth. We sing it together. We look at each other. We encourage each other. It's almost like liturgy or or catechism. As God's people gather and declare the judgments of God, And so in a very real sense, singing is a ministry of the word. And so we understand the importance of choosing singing material that ties in with what is preached. So that preaching and singing are caught up together in the power of the Holy Spirit to change us. So that's Psalm 95 representative of a number of Old Testament passages that teach us about singing. God's people are to sing. When we meet together on Sundays, we are to sing. Singing, when the church gathers, is a corporate activity. We all sing. There is to be variety in what we sing and how we sing. But the note of joyful praise is a note that needs to be sounded a lot. Singing tunes our hearts to hear God speak through his word. And singing is a ministry of the word, enabling God's voice not only to be heard, but to dwell deeply and richly in us, engaging our wills and changing us. That is Psalm 95. Now, let's turn to the two key New Testament passages on singing, Ephesians 5, 15 to 21, and Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Most of Our time will be on Ephesians 5 because Colossians is very similar apart from one or two additional uh, principles. So turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, uh, page 978 in the church Bibles. Now as you do so, just a little bit of a time out in background. Ephesians is a letter about the church, in particular about the central place of the local church in God's salvation plan. 
Local churches scattered all over the world, outposts of heaven. That's Ephesians 1 to 3. The second half, chapters 4 to 6, is about what it's like on the ground in a local church. Chapter 4, a local church is united in the Spirit through the Word of God. The Word of God preached, taught, and spoken truth in love on a Sunday through the life of a church. Chapter 5 is about living distinctively as a community transformed by the gospel, living distinctively and living wisely. Now we pick up chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, that means live, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that's one of two key New Testament passages on singing. What do we learn? Well, Firstly, that singing is important in the life of a local church. Psalm 95 repeated. In this letter about the church, Ephesians were taught about singing. Moreover, we learn that singing is a corporate activity. We sing together, that is clearly implied from verse 19 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and from the letter as a whole. Next, singing together is a spiritual, a supernatural activity. Filled with the Holy Spirit, we sing. You cannot sing as a Christian unless you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now you can sing, but you cannot sing from the heart. But there's another dimension here, the corporate dimension. When God's people in a local church meet together and sing, the Holy Spirit is in their midst ministering among them. And we mustn't shy away from that truth. When the Word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit attends and applies that Word, making us listen, applying it, engaging in dialogue all over the room. And when the Word of God is sung, or when the truths in God's Word are sung, the Holy Spirit is at work among us. Singing is important. Singing is a corporate activity. Singing is a spiritual, supernatural activity. And next in Ephesians 5, singing is, and this sounds, well, I can't think of another way to say it. Singing is a horizontal and vertical activity. That's a bit clunky, isn't it? In other words, we address one another when we sing, 
And this is where sitting in rows doesn't help us. We address one another when we sing. That's what Ephesians says. And together, we sing to the Lord. Now, put it another way. Singing is sideways and then up the ways. Now, go back to last Sunday night. God speaks this way. We sing sideways. And together, we sing up the way to God. You see, it's corporate. It's not me singing to God, me singing to God, me singing to God. It's God speaking to us corporately, us singing to one another corporately, us corporately singing uh, to God. That doesn't mean to say that we are constantly engaging with God personally as we hear, but the personal engagement is in the context of the corporate activity of the church. For we are here to grow and we are here to help others to grow. And they are here to help us to grow. Singing is horizontal and vertical, sideways and up the way. One more way of saying it, singing is edification. That's the one to another bit, and adoration, the us to God bit. And it's crystal clear in Ephesians and Colossians, we sing to one another and to the Lord. Horizontal, vertical. Next, singing is a varied activity. We are to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What does that mean? It means psalms from the Bible, the book of psalms, the Bible's songbook. So Freddie chose well tonight, we got a psalm. And it does mean, I think, that we are to sing psalms from the book of psalms regularly. Hymns, well, what are they? Well, they are uh, biblical truths put to music, common meter, long meter, whatever it is, singable tunes, and spiritual songs. What is the difference between a hymn and a spiritual song? Is it a matter of uh, length, style, repetition, tone, maybe? We don't know. The point is, we are to sing a rich variety of material. Repetition is not wrong. The Psalms are full of it. One-liners are not wrong. Old hymns, new hymns, rich in combination. Now, there are some principles, like what we sing must be biblical and singable. Uh, there must be melody, but varied in form and style and varied in content and tone. We are to sing confession, lament, and praise as appropriate and thanksgiving. And that note of thanksgiving is emphasized in verse 20. And we need to sing and keep singing the gospel. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. And I will never tire of singing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. And every so often, in Christ alone pops up. And in fact, it popped up so many times that it popped down for a while. Every wedding was in Christ alone. 
and be that my vision. But it's a cracking choice. And these songs will last like the golden oldies that have lasted. And a proportion of what we currently sing will last, and much of it will disappear. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. When I survey the wondrous cross, we never tire of singing the gospel to one another and with one another. I think that's what Paul the writer intends by the second half of verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, constantly ground your singing, ground your meetings in the gospel, in the gospel. One last thing from Ephesians about our singing together. It is to be a submissive activity, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we are to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that will mean a varied selection, and it will mean a varied style. And the musical instruments that accompany and facilitate our singing will be all sorts. And there are no musical instruments that are off limits. That's really an important principle. Even bagpipes. So the, I think the ESV's translation of Daniel 3 is, uh, you know, when all these musical instruments play, there's bagpipes. Obviously, some are from Scotland in Babylon. I'm struggling to think of how bagpipes could be edifying on a Sunday, but I, I, we've had bagpipes and an organ. It's very hard to keep bagpipes and an organ in time when they're 40 yards apart. But the point is, it, it, it's not about what instruments I like. That's the point. It's not about whether I am a Sam's man or woman or a Sims man or woman or an oldie or a youngie or a spiritual songs person. What happens when you are converted to Christ and gathered into a local church is that you sing with other people and you sing oldies with youngies and you love their songs and they love your songs and you get along fine and you just sing a rich variety of songs that would not happen anywhere else on the planet and what we sing in its variety is an illustration of what God has done in our hearts for the gospel and that's a powerful thing I think in our singing as a church we reveal to ourselves in a watching world what a reconciled transformed community looks like we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Our playlist, my, is that, I'm not sure if that's a contemporary way of talking. I might be talking rubbish, but give you some of your nodding encouragingly. My playlist is your playlist, and your playlist is mine. What a wonderful thing that is. So why don't we have psalms at 9.30, hymns at 11.30, and spiritual songs at 6.30? Well, why don't we lean to the traditional in the morning and the contemporary in the evening? Now, there is some wisdom in that in terms of outreach, and we'll come to that next week. But there is no wisdom in that in terms of giving into our preferences 
and saying, I will go there, I will go there, because I like, I like, I like. That's not what happens in the gospel. Now, briefly on Colossians, and just one thing really to add, you'll find that on page 984. Colossians says a lot of the same things about singing that Ephesians says, and we'll not repeat them. Our task is simply to draw attention to what is new in the Colossians passage. But before that, just notice this. In light of our reflection a moment ago about submitting to one another, about unity amongst God's people when it comes uh, to singing, um, the verses in Colossians before the teaching that is specific to singing are very much in the same line. Singing is something in a church that can be divisive. It shouldn't be. It should be the opposite. Just look at the preface, verse 12. Put on then God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And don't abandon that when it comes to singing. And now comes the singing stuff. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And I think the Greek should read, by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, something for you to maybe follow up later on. Last Sunday, we were talking about listening to God speaking to us through his word. And we read from 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, through to chapter 4. Just listen to this and compare it to Colossians 3.16. So 2 Timothy, uh, all scripture is breathed out for God, useful for teaching and for correction. So preach the word. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing or correcting one another in all wisdom by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, the point is the Word of God reproves, corrects, so on and so forth. How? Through preaching. Preach the Word, reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's 2 Timothy about preaching the Word. And Colossians about singing is very similar. And uh, singing is many things, but one of the things, it is a ministry of the word. Not the only thing, but it's an important thing. As we sing the words of God in the Bible, or as we sing biblical truths about God, the word of God comes to dwell in us richly. See how important it is that psalms and well, psalms are from the Bible, that songs and hymns are biblical and understandable. So you've got an old hymn and the words are funny, you've got to explain what they mean. As we sing in the Spirit, this is what we saw in Psalm 95, the Word of God comes to dwell in us richly. And so we understand the vital importance of choosing material that we sing on a Sunday that ties in with what is preached. So the preacher, 
And the person choosing the music and songs and leading, singing up front, work together so that God's voice is heard and the Word of God comes to dwell in our hearts richly. Now, in summary, what do these two two key New Testament passages teach us about singing, building on Psalm 95? Singing is important. Christians are a singing people. Singing is a corporate activity. We meet and sing together. Singing is a spiritual, supernatural activity. Singing is horizontal and vertical. One another, and then together to God. Singing is a varied activity. Singing the gospel again and again is important. Singing is a submissive activity, expressing our unity. And singing is a ministry of the word. And together with the word of God preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, builds us up as a local church, as a people brought together by God to live in witness for Jesus. Now, before we turn to the summary, and uh, I've got no notes on the summary, they're just headings in the sheet for you to take away the principles. Before we get to the principles, though, two important things. Now, there are some words or phrases or language that I have not used at all for the important reason that the New Testament doesn't use them either. So I've spoken all the way through tonight about singing and not about music. Singing, not about playing. And those our musicians here are right on board with that, and I'm not saying anything to do them down. Their job Their gifts are to enable us to sing. That's exactly what they're doing and why they serve. The New Testament speaks about singing, not about music. And secondly, by way of terminology, the New Testament speaks about singing and not about worship. Why? Because in the new covenant, in Christ, worship cannot be and should not be limited to singing, but to all of life. And we need to get the language right so that we understand that worship is not denied us on a Monday. It's wonderful to sing. But that is not the only time in the week that we worship. It's the time when we sing together. So singing rather than music and singing rather than worship. Now, principles that help us sing on Sundays in a way that most glorifies God. I've given you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And it's what we've been looking at tonight. I want you to go away and to think about that, to pray about it. We'll add to them, we'll change them, we'll flex them, and we'll move the order around. It's important, number one. It's a ministry of the Word. It's something we all share in together, whether or not we're good singers. It does amaze me that it sounds great on a Sunday. How is that? 
Because some of us are probably terrible singers. You know that when you're one-on-one. You sing from your hearts. And God captures it all up. We sing to one another and to God. It's a mitch of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's biblical. We sing the gospel. We sing submissively. And singing is something we are allowed to enjoy. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for what the Bible teaches about singing. And thank you that it's such a blessing to us week by week. And may it always be so. And may we understand rightly from your word what it is we are doing, why we are doing it, and how to do it in a way that glorifies you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.